Hey everybody, welcome back to Melanated Faith. Today's episode is part two of our conversation about friendship. And today we're gonna talk about interracial friendships. And we have a super special guest joining us. I'm gonna let Catherine do the honors in introducing our special guest. Hi guys, yeah, we wanted to do an episode about, specifically about the blessings and challenges of interracial friendship, um, especially in the age of Black Lives Matter. And so I thought it would actually be really helpful to hear from both sides of a friendship and interracial friendship. And so I have my bestie, Lindsay Sweeney, here with me. Um, We're going to say beforehand that Lindsay is not representing every white bestie. (laughs) Um, But this is um, just, you guys can have an inside look into our relationship and our friendship, and I'm really excited to bring my bestie to work today. Um, So yeah, Lindsay, why don't you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes, I am single and ready to mingle in ATX. I work as a uh, operations manager and podcast producer for the Jamie Ivey podcast, The Happy Hour. I am Auntie Lulu to three awesome, um, two nephews and one niece. And I love baking bread during this weird season of quarantine life that we're in. Can I just say this for Lindsay? She has perfected both a chocolate chip cookie and a sourdough bread in quarantine. She is so, she has been so productive, guys. And when I tell you the chocolate chip cookie is the best I've ever had, it is the best I've ever had. I'm actually going to make those cookies after we get off yeah, no, uh, talking today. They're mm-hmm. very... I mean, just let me know if you ship them. <laughs> I, I would be, yeah, you should. Oh I'd my gosh, Faith. And it's a whole process. Like... It is a process. But they are so good. I've seen her stories. I want a cookie. Like, I've literally been watching, like, oh, my God. (laughs) Now, the other thing is the bread. I've also seen you baking bread, Lindsay, and I really, really, really want to get into baking bread. I'm not going to lie. As much as I love cooking, I'm a little intimidated by making bread, but I see everybody doing it, and I'm like, if they can do it, surely. Yes, you can do it. I can do it. Yes. It was like a goal, learn how to bake bread in 2020, and then, you know, COVID happened, and it was kind of like the the gift of the season to, like, actually follow through on a goal that I set in the beginning <laughs> of the year. <laughs> so with a little help from a couple of people who are bread makers and a lot of YouTube videos, I made bread. So Catherine, you're making bread in 2020. Uh, no. See, this is okay. <laughs> Maybe we can talk about this. And when we talk about friends, it's like you gotta be friends that have different strengths and interests than you because I will say Lindsay in our friendship is the hostess with the mostest. And like I probably do not ever host her as well as she hosts me. Um but I, yeah, I feel like I should post a picture with this episode of like some of the brunches and like, I mean, she will do place settings and flower arrangements and I love it. She is. You know, so, I love that. Stuff. I, yeah. I, I feel like you guys over. could do like a whole Lindsay and Faith make bread, host your friends. <laughs> party. Oh, I love it. It's just like a whole experience. It's There's the just experience. something about I, it. The word. Creating like an atmosphere for people. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. Yes. yes, you guys are all about the atmosphere for people. And so I it's one of the things I so appreciate about Lindsay, but I would never try to replicate because then 
Yeah. No, I would never try to replicate. That's not my <laughs> role in our friendship. I am the, what would you say? Like the truth teller. <laughs> the truth teller. Yes. You bring, you know what you bring to those gatherings, like the meatiness of conversation and the deepness of like relationship. And so I'm like, let me set the stage, put all the environment, <laughs> fill everyone's bellies with great food. And then like Catherine, like, lead us guide us into like the deep waters of discussion there you go okay that's fair i like that so this is a perfect time for me to ask then how long have you guys been friends and how did you meet okay i'm going to talk about how we met because honestly i don't remember what year that was anymore um do you remember i was trying to remember it was either the fall of 2012 or 2013 but i want to say it was 2013 that okay so we'll go with seven years seven to eight years um so I did something I never do I talked to a stranger um so we went to this there was this conference in Austin called idea camp human care um and I went by myself for like a work thing um and it was raining in Austin and Lindsay had on these really cute rain boots and I had been wanting some so I just was like, hey, your boots are super cute. Um, and she said, thanks. And then I asked her where she got them from. And then, like, I ended up sitting next to her and we went to lunch. And then the rest is history. <laughs> as they That's say. right. So we've also been roommates. We were roommates in 2017? No, 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 no. 20, it was earlier than that. 2014? 2014. Okay. Yeah. Yes. So we've also been roommates we're not quite a year. So we've also have that experience with each other. So we're pretty much, I think, bonded for life at this point. Yeah. Yeah. It was super fun. Um, I was late to the idea camp. So I kind of snuck into the back and saw Catherine. And I thought, this girl looks so nice. I'm going to sit near her and like sat down. We went through the first session and then that's when she asked me about my boots. I was like, yes, because I was also alone. And I had been working, I think it had been about a year that I'd been working in um, East Austin in a nonprofit organization doing children and family, community development and relationship building there. And so the topic of human care was super important to me. And, but I also was not so excited to go alone. So it was really neat to meet someone right then to know that, oh, we could process maybe a little bit about this together. And that's what happened, which was great. Yeah. I love that. And I learned something new about y'all. I did not know you guys were roommates. Yes, we were. I feel like once you're roommates, you really are bonded for life because the friends that I have from college where we were roommates, we still talk yeah. to this day. Like mm-hmm. some of us are closer than others, but like for sure, like there's a good like two of them that were very, very close. And I attribute it to the fact that we lived together because we just we shared a lot of life in those in those spaces. You learn so much about people when you live with them. Yeah. So we yeah. shared a lot in the time we lived together. Yeah, we did. It was um <laughs> short, it was brief but wondrous and very impactful. Um it was very impactful. that is a story for not on the podcast. but yeah so um yeah so super grateful for that experience and you know again did something I never do talk to someone I didn't know and best friend um okay so I this question is for um Lindsay and Faith because I know you have a really diverse set of friend group as well what are some differences um 
in friendship when the when someone is of a different race and what are some similarities like is there a difference when you're in friendships with people of a different race than you um and then if there's not like what are the some of the things that you think are the same across friendships hmm, i would say that some of the differences are you know, when you're friends with another black person, you guys kind of understand each other's vantage point. So you don't have to explain so many things. And then I would say um, there's just kind of like this unspoken common language, if you will, that is very, um, it's kind of like you know each other without having to like really, really know each other. And so I think that is um something that I really enjoy when I'm in relationships with other people, with other black people and just culture things, cultural references. Um, you don't have to explain, um, kind of like what you're saying. You can use AAVE like, um, and that's, um, African-American vernacular English for those who don't know. Um, you can use that without people like, you know, looking at you crazy. So I think those are some of the things that, um, it's a little bit different because there's other things you do have to explain, but I think some of the similarities, especially if you're talking about being friends with people of color, um, is there's like a similar kind of like connection because it's like, OK, like we might not have um, experienced the same kind of generational oppression, but we've experienced something. And, and that, in a way, like unites us together. So a lot of my friends that I grew up with in Houston when I was younger, we're white, but when I got older, there was also this very diverse group of friends, right, that are, you know, Mexican, Hawaiian, um, also Indian. And so you just have these very different experiences. So for us, it's like there's a similarity and a sense of, like, family and culture and things like that. And um, with my white friends, I think, honestly, like, we just had a good time enjoying one another's company and just you know, we found common ground that, that each of us had. And I think that's what made our friendship um, work and made it special. So I think those are some of the things for me. I definitely love the diversity of friendships when it comes to food and culture. And there's so many things that like I didn't know. And I would be very ignorant too if I didn't have relationships with friends who look different than me. So them sharing their culture and heritage with me and teaching me how to make different dishes, like all of those things are very meaningful, I would say, and formative. Like, and how I am today. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think I have been, um, I think I've, I've just had the real privilege of knowing people from an array of backgrounds and cultures. Uh, I often think back to being in college and I started out at a community college in North Dallas and it was a predominantly um, the students there were all international students. And so I would sit at lunch and there would be 15 other countries represented. And I think about those friendships and how formative they were to me in my like early 20s to understand different people's backgrounds and stories and learn about, not just learn about, but to learn to celebrate and enjoy one another's differences, but then also see those similarities of things that, frustrate me in my life and in my experience, whether that's within family or society or friend groups or in church, uh, we could share kind of those same types of frustrations as well as things that we enjoyed about those things. One of the things that's been important, even in the most recent years, is my friendship with a woman named Miss Clarice. And Miss Clarice and I just talked about this this week 
um, when we were together. And I had asked her, I was like, you know, we talk about this often, honestly, but um, I was like, do you think it's important that we are friends with one another? Or like, how, what do you think makes our friendship unique? And she's like, you know, we're really the same. We just talk different. <laughs> and I love that so much because she's like, sometimes we don't always understand. And I was like laughing hysterically because that's true on a lot of different layers, not just because yeah. culturally um, she's a black woman in East Austin and I'm a white woman in North Austin. And we have, you know, 20 years difference in their age. And I have a college education and she has an eighth grade education. Like there's layers of things that we've experienced that are different from one another, <laughs> but also like she got a new, we got a, a cell phone that like, you know, has the pictures on it this year. And so like teaching her how to use an iPhone this year and like not understanding those types of things, even with each other has been really funny that we've like laughed together about just like, this is hard and challenging just in the difference of time and experience and technology in that realm. Um, but it's also like hard and challenging at times when we think about the things that she's experienced that I can never understand because I haven't experienced them. Um, but the places where we both have experienced loss, uh, we've both lost our dads. She's lost her mom. Both have died. Um, and we can like, we have a deep connection point of understanding one another's pain and grief in those seasons. Um, and so, but my, my favorite is for sure her and I laughing about, we just, she's like, we're the same. We just talk a little different. <laughs> I like yeah. that. No, I agree. I mean, I think, yeah, with Faith said, I think that there is a common um, understanding, even if you haven't lived like the exact same, I think among African-Americans, even if it's like maybe you're a different class or you're from a different country, there is kind of this common bonding, I think, just around what it is particularly in America, sort of having this sort of racialized experience that you can identify with. Um, but then I also think, which can be challenging, and there can be other ways in which it's challenging. Um, yeah. And I think one of the things that's similar, I mean, I would say with Lindsay and I, like we're both the oldest child, like we both are really navigating relationships with our siblings and um, our moms. And we talk about that a lot. And um, I think we kind of view the world, I think in terms of like politics and policy, very similarly. Um, I think we enjoy a lot of the same things. Well, except for cooking mm -hmm. and baking. Mm -hmm. But we love us some brunch. We do. We us. love brunch. We are and really Taylor Swift. Ta we Taylor Swift. We also really, really were into Lakeith Stanfield in the photograph. <laughs> um, <laughs> we both were like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I we he's working with something, guys. Um, so yeah, I think yeah, I think you can have like unity in Christ, but again, like we always talk about this all the time on the podcast, it doesn't mean uniformity. Um, but there are mm -hmm. things that are common and like we do have common interest aside from our relationship with Jesus Christ. I would, um, one thing that like I'm pondering and like thinking about as you guys are talking, which you kind of almost just said it, Catherine, um, which is like, what are some of the things that are um, like your favorite things about your friendship? And then um, why do you think that interracial friendships are important? 
Um, so I think my favorite thing w- about my friendship with Lindsay is I can be a hundred percent myself and say like I can be. For example, I will give this story. Um, we went to Nashville, I guess, two summers ago on... No, it was longer. Really? Oh, gosh. Yeah, too long. We went to Nashville on, like, a trip together, and I, I was coming off of, like, maybe three or four weeks of, like, traveling every week, and I was just, like, exhausted. It was, like, on me. I should, like, have not... We should have planned for a different weekend. Um, and I was not the best travel companion, like, at all. I will fully admit that by the time it was time for vacation, I just couldn't. I was just ready to be home. I think it's, like, an introvert thing. Like, um, like when you've been out of your own bed and out of your own home for a while, like, even vacation is not a vacation. It just feels, like, more extroverting. Um, and I think at the end of the trip, I said to Lindsay, I was like, I know I haven't been you know, the best travel companion. And she was like, oh, no, it's fine. And, like, we kind of, we talked about it and, like, moved on. And so it's just, I don't know, like, there's something freeing about, I, we we talked about this on our travel episode, I think, Faith. Like, when you travel with someone, you, like, really know them and, like, can't travel with all your friends. Um, mm-hmm. But I think, like, to me, I feel, like, fully known. And, like, I can tell Lindsay, like, we can have conversations about race and I can be like fully and know, like even if she doesn't understand or even where she doesn't agree, um, feeling like, Oh, she still sees me and values me as a person. And yeah, like, and I think she also just gets when I am overstimulated and doesn't take it personally. Cause you know, I think sometimes for introverts, you can have extroverted friends that that is a challenge for them (laughs) when you are, extroverted out so I would say those are probably my favorite things I would actually say one of my favorite things about Catherine is that she's introverted and I that's maybe like a weird thing to hear or people to say but um I have a tendency to run at one pace and it's like full throttle and it's like say yes to as many things as possible and always do and show up for every person that ever needed you or knows your name and Catherine has been someone who's been like, "Mm, is that a wise decision? And then she just lets it linger. And you're like, oh, shoot. (laughs) And so, so that's two parts, really. Like her being willing to challenge me in a way that's so loving and not like condescending and not filled with like her own motivation, but it really is like for my benefit that she challenges and that she models for me what it looks like to say pause and like take time to recharge because I have not, like I said, done that very well in my life. But knowing her has like helped me be okay with saying no to things. And she's taught me that it is 100% appropriate and fine to like put your phone on silent to veg out and watch a show and it can be whatever you, you know, your pick, whatever reality trash TV you need that day, like just go and do that. And it's okay. And I was like, are you sure this is okay? (laughs) But it really is okay. And I have loved, loved, loved having her in my life to model that and to encourage me to that. And then also like, I am always deeply moved by her convictions and her convictions for like from seemingly small things like the way she advocates for her family like for one another for their relationships with each other to honor her parents to care for her brother and sister 
um, she just encompasses this spirit and demeanor that she is going to have conviction to love and support those that she's close to. And that has been so filling in my life and taught me so much about how to even do that in my own family and with my brother and my sister and with my mom and even caring for extended family and learning how to navigate those waters um, whenever it can be challenging, especially in circumstances where you don't view issues or circumstances, whether it's like cultural circumstances or society circumstances or just internal things, like how are we going to handle this situation that's happened in our family? She has helped teach me how do you enter into those spaces and be both respectful and kind and receiving of all people um, and communicate in a way that's not, you know, coming down on them as like, we're going to do it my (laughs) way. Now, sometimes there's a space and time for that to happen. And I've seen that too. But I think large scale view is like, I watch her work at that. And so it's also not that it comes easy to her. I actually watch her work out being a person who enters into spaces where people are heard and can be understood and there's like a a working of compromise and decision making and that's that's so valuable in my life and in our world because I think we miss that so much in the bigger picture of what we're experiencing culturally right now we miss um, people doing that and I really gosh I can't even like express how valuable I think it is for my life. This brings up a really good point about navigating challenging conversations, I think, around race um, or just um, tension and conflict and friendships generally. Um, and so, I, yeah, for Faith, how do you in French and interracial friendships like kind of navigate challenging conversations around race? I think, I think when I was younger, I didn't know how to navigate those conversations. When I was a kid and, and into like early high school, um, but as I kind of reached, you know, more maturity and experience in college and stuff, I realized that the only way for me to authentically build friendships with people is to show up as my full self. And if I couldn't show up as my full self with the friends that I had, specifically the white friends that I I had been friends with and cultivated friendships with over the years, then we weren't going to really be friends, truly. Like, what we had was either going to be a really special childhood memory and that was going to be great um or if it was a friendship that was going to like surpass um you know surpass just childhood and into adulthood and it'd be a long-standing friendship then I was going to have to be really honest about my experiences as a black woman in America and so there's a few friends we've had some really interesting conversations one of whom is um I have one of my friends named Abby she's one of my closest friends and We are, it's kind of funny because we're a lot like you and Lindsay. We have a lot of things that we like share in common. um, We always would say though that like our love for God is like what united us as friends because we're completely opposite in so many different ways. Um, And um, a lot of our like thought processes are so different how we view the world. Um, 
and all those different things. But at the same time, like I was able to have very honest conversations with her about being a black woman, what that looked like and, um, and my experiences. And so she was able just to like really sit and listen to me. And she was willing to learn about my culture. I would take her to like, there's that, um, documentary, I think it's Chris Rock. It's called good hair. Um, I took her to the movies. We like snuck food in. She like never stuck food into a movie theater. (laughs) And I was like, well, I, I'm taking this burger in here. <laughs> what, girl? And you have not lived so, till your mom brings the, the two-liter soda. <laughs> right, into the movie theater. <laughs> and so we did that. I think we were probably like 17, I don't know, 17 or 18. And um, we did like different experiences like that. Like I taught her how to put a braid in my hair. Like she just was very interested like in my life. And even though in a lot of different ways, like we see the, you know, the world um, differently, like she sees the value in my humanity and doesn't deny the value um, of my humanity as a black woman, right? And so I think that if we were, even with all of our different differences, she wasn't able to see like who I am and the value of black life and and the conflicts that we have in this country and why we need to address them, then we probably wouldn't be friends right now. Um, But the fact that she's able to like sit in it and listen and listen to a different perspective, even if it's not her lived experience, that's made like the world of difference with her and my friend Lauren and Megan and like all the kind of different people that I grew up with that, um, we didn't readily always have these conversations, but the more that I wanted to talk about it and share my experience, they actually opened up and listened, even if they said, hey, like, I have zero idea your experience and I can't even comprehend or, like, understand what you go through on a daily basis, but I'm listening and I want to learn. And so I think that it's really important to also say if somebody is not denying your humanity as a as a black person and as a human being, but you all disagree on different things, um, that's normal. You know, that's not um, that's not taboo. And um, I think that it's important to recognize that there's not going to be like like Catherine said, like uniformity. You're not going to agree on everything. That's just not real. That's not real friendship. Um, but when you have people that are willing to come alongside you and actually care about you and who you are and your blackness and your experience and understanding that there's systems at play that have hindered your progress in this country and they want to be a part of the solution, then you can start some different conversations that I think open up the door for meaningful friendship. Yeah, I think, I think as a white person, I personally have to be consciously aware when I have entered into friendships and even in continuing to cultivate friendships with um, black people and brown people and Asian people. Like I, there's a tendency that's in me um, unconsciously, sometimes consciously to want to support my white comfort and to lean into my privileges unintentionally creating space in those friendships where I don't have to really engage in these conversations if it's challenging for me. And I have to be proactive at fighting against that. And if you're listening to this and you are a white person, you have to be proactive at fighting against that. It takes being uncomfortable and humble in order for there to be true 
relationship and friendship across any race, whether that's even, I was thinking about this earlier as preparing, like when I think about my friendships with other white people and I think about my friendships with people of color, there is a depth to the friendships that I share with my friends who are black and brown and Asian that does not exist the same as my friendships with people who are white. And now that's a whole nother conversation topic about white culture and the experiences there and what inhibits that from happening. But what I have learned over many years of engaging in friendships with people who look different than me is that one, it is important to to listen and to learn. And I have so much to still learn and so much that I have learned. And one of the greatest things is the space of being like bringing myself in humility to a spot and space and time where I listen and observe, like observing is so important in spaces of conversation around race. Even though I cannot understand by experience what it has been like for my friends who are black and my friends who are Hispanic who have walked through painful racism in our country and I can have empathy. I can love. I can support. I can sit in that space. And also, gosh, people are going to maybe be upset. You can be corrected. Okay? If you are white, you can be corrected. And I mean, Catherine and I have a, a circumstance that happened in our friendship that I needed to be corrected, and she so graciously did that. And at that point in time, that could have been a space and that could have like, I mean, really, that's like, is this friendship going to be like a real friendship? <laughs> or are we like, is this like the end of our friendship kind of thing? Are we just like now going to become acquaintances? And I wanted to run and hide. I was so embarrassed. And I felt like, I didn't feel shame, but I just felt embarrassment over it. But then quickly that was replaced with what? I feel so loved and cared for that my friend would be willing to enter into a space where she is being vulnerable about the way that this has offended and hurt her and inviting me into a space to learn from this experience and to choose differently next time. And gosh, like that is so hard to do. It is so, so hard, but it is so worth it. What are some things that you should not do in interracial friendships? I will say, I'm going to say the first thing is like, just from our friendship is Lindsay. I'm not Lindsay's only black friend. And so that takes a big pressure off of me. And I also think, so to my thing would be to say like, um, don't only have one. Don't pit your friends of color against each other. 
because sometimes I see like um, often it's like we're having a conversation about Black Lives Matter and it's like, oh, you're telling me this. But like Candace Owens or some other person is saying (laughs) this. So um, are you sure what you're telling me is true? Um, So don't I mean, don't do that. Like even among people of African-Americans, among people of color generally, like there's a pretty broad difference in terms of our experience um, in this country. And I would even like among Asian Americans, right? Like there's different Korean is a different culture than Japanese, than Chinese. And so like this idea of like, um, you know, I think it's like a fallacy to say that every Asian American is having the same experience in this country. Like there are brown Asians that are experiencing colorism and, um, anti-Asian racism in a way that's maybe different than someone who's maybe Japanese, who's fair-skinned or whatever. So I would say like giving space to all of that variety and difference. And then my other thing would be um, back to something Lindsay said earlier is like just resisting that urge, like when you are corrected to like fight back or diminish or excuse. And like, I think sometimes even if it's like you don't agree, just taking a pause, like taking a break and being like, okay, I appreciate you for telling me that. Like, I'm thinking about it. Let me, you know, whatever. And then, because I don't, I mean, I just, I think in friendships, like, Faith says this all the time. Like, you're not going to agree 100%. Like, but I feel like sometimes it can feel like, don't try to be argumentative for argument's sake. Oh, also, the devil does not need any advocates. Like, so don't. <laughs> so in, so in, in an interracial friendship, if your friend tells you something, don't, if you're thinking in your mind, you know, just to play devil's advocate, mm-mm, 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 mm-mm. danger Will Robinson, back up, back up, back up, would be my, would be my, I think those are some of my top don'ts. I would have to say I have learned a lot of don'ts in my life because I have done a lot of crappy things to people unintentionally, intentionally, you know. Um, some of those things have been like, Coming into when I, okay, so some of my stories, I actually, after college, worked and lived in Hawaii for a couple of years. Pause for everyone to be like, oh, so jealous. Um, but listen, Hawaii is not a predominantly white culture. I don't know if anyone knew that, but I'm here to tell you, okay, Hawaii is not predominantly white culture. It is, it does not carry out predominantly, like, white American cultural ways either, okay? Um, But I am a girl from Texas, okay, a white girl going into this school and this community and working these students and very quickly, and I'm so grateful for the people who did this, but I came in, I was like, oh, y'all are just doing this wrong. Like, you need to do it like this, this, and this, and then this would be better, and then everyone would be better and happier. And I mean, that is not the way to do it in interrelational friendships, partnerships, any of those things, you do not come in and tell them, anyone, (laughs) you're doing this wrong and this is how you need to do it the correct way. Um, And I also think like I I have been the person before who's listened and been like, wow, are you sure? That's, I'm sure that's not what they really meant or I don't know if that's really what happened. Do you think that you maybe like looked a certain way when you talked to them or that you maybe did this certain thing? Um, I, I have done and been 
and made all of those mistakes. I've also made the mistake of telling someone, oh, I know exactly how you feel. I have no idea how it feels to be a black woman. There's no way that I could understand that. And out of like a desire to have empathy or to fix the problem that they were feeling, honestly, if I'm really transparent, I said those things and those things were just more hurtful than helpful in the situation. You know, I think kind of how I measure my rule of thumb for for all of this, right, in friendships with, with white people and how to interact, um, I love this quote by James Baldwin, which says, we can disagree and still love each other unless, unless your disagreement is rooted in my oppression and the denial of my humanity and right to exist. So if it's, if you're trying to be friends with me, but then like, you like we disagree about my oppression and humanity we cannot be friends um so I think that's one of the main things but the other thing is like you have to really be genuine like having a friend of a different ethnicity should not be something you're just trying to like check off your list like I remember when I moved to Austin and there were so many people eager to be a part of justice work, but did not have any real black friends. And I went to so many coffees, so many just things. And I just remember thinking like, they want a black friend. I cannot be their black friend. I It's just not possible. And um, there were certain people where I was like, yes, we're going to have a genuine friendship. And then there were other people where I was like, this is just not happening. Because there's just only so much of, like, me that can go around. And it's not enough for all of these people that are pulling on me. And so I think you have to really look at um, a broad spectrum of people and who they are. And you can't compare, like Catherine was saying, like, one Black person's perspective to the other. You have to realize that everybody's perspectives are unique. Um, I would also say that it's really important that you don't... um, that you don't try to measure your allyship like by how many um, like people of color you do happen to interact with. So let's say you do have a more diverse friend group. That doesn't mean that you're like better than other people. You know, um, I like to say that white people have to be in like white people AA forever. Like you're always going to have to be like, I am here. I have to like daily lay down like the the sin of racism and these ideologies and these mindsets of white supremacy. And like I daily have to let go of them, just like we all daily have to let go of pride or, you know, all these other like things. I think it's just one of those things of like of a posture of humility. Right. And so I think if you're if you come from a place of like, I've arrived and I've done this and I've done that, then like that's just not the point because the point of being, as I like to say, like an accomplice or a co-conspirator is to really to have your to really put your your body on the line and to be willing to lose something at um, for standing up for what's right. You know what I mean? And so if you're just trying to get a pat on the back for being friends with a few people, then you just miss the entire point. Um, because you shouldn't be measuring your friendships or how you're showing up for people as a way to say, see, look at me, look at me, I'm doing better. Like, look at all those other people over there. Um, They don't even get it. Um, At some point, like, you didn't get it, so you can't hold yourself at, like, this higher standard of, like, being happy that you get it over the other people who don't. You know, I think there's, like, a, there's a both, it's a both and, you know. 
Yeah, no, I think that's really good. And I liked what you were saying about like the whole thing about measuring your friends of color. Because the other thing that I think sometimes happens is then it becomes your like almost where you being friends with people of color or maybe raising children of color does not make you a person of color. So also to keeping in mind that distinction, because um, sometimes I think and like, again, like, for example, hip hop is like universal. It's like, you know, people listen to that across cultures or whatever. Um, but I think sometimes the tendency can be to maybe over identify and um, you know, and I would also say like, I don't ever like personally, like, want someone to be feel shame about their you know ethnicity or their race like god was intentional in creating me as a black woman he was intentional in creating Lindsay as a white woman um so like don't i the whole like i'm not into the whole like white guilt thing (laughs) at all um but i think that yeah how do you show empathy what does it mean to be a co-conspirator and like you know i will say there's it Faith is, like, being so polite, but there is a type of white person that can be very annoying because they, one, think that their many people of color friends makes them a person of color, and or then they start telling people of color, well, like, you should be upset about this because this is offensive and you're not upset about this. You should be because this is racist. And I'm like... Well, I think we, I think, like, it's kind of like how we say Catherine, and I'm just going to say it. Sometimes... Some of the most "quote unquote" woke people are some of the worst ones. The, um, worst. the worst, and I think it's because it's like this kind of like what I was alluding to, like this mindset of arrival. Like I get it, I get it now, right? But the the fact is, just like what you were saying, Catherine. If I was to be mad at every little thing that that white people do, I'm going to tell you this: mm-hmm. I would not have white friends at all. <laughs> I wouldn't be able to because I would just be so frustrated with that. Like, yeah. dang, they mess it up again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think, like, I personally, in order to keep myself in a healthy place, in a balanced place, like, I can't I can't be in a state of just being mad about every single little thing. It doesn't mean that I don't see it. It doesn't mean that I don't recognize it. It doesn't mean that I'm not unaware. It's just that I have to choose where to put like my emotional energy um, in order to like steward my mental health well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think also too for Christians, to me, I always think of this idea about like in First First Corinthians 13, where it talks about like love bears all things, hopes all things. Um, I do think maintaining hope and like love. And like, I think also too, when you really know someone, um, yeah, like I think, Lindsay, just based on the length of our friendship and the difficulty of conversations that when Lindsay maybe does say something, I give her a benefit of the doubt that I wouldn't give to just like a random white person. So if I had a random woke white person telling me I should be upset about X, Y, and Z, it's like, well, first of all, you that's another form of pride, um, the sin of pride. And like, but also like, it's also not like God doesn't, I don't know. Like, I just feel like God doesn't treat us that way where he's just like looking for something all the time to like be upset or offended by. And so, um, I try to model that. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Like to what you said, like, I see it, but you know, today 
I'm going to let that go. <laughs> pick your battles, really. It, like, I need battles. to pick what I'm going to be upset mm-hmm. about. You know, like, if it's, like, <laughs> if it's going to be something, like, way, like, okay, this is, is a lot of meaning and weight. Or this little petty thing, like, it's likely that I'm not going to focus in on the petty thing. Yeah. Um, just because I can't expend my energy there. But when I see, like, policies that are, like, widely affecting communities of color disproportionately, and, like, that's what I'm thinking about more so. Um, than like some of the smaller things. And it doesn't mean those things don't need to be addressed, but it also means that you cannot expect black people to be enraged about every little thing. And it's a privilege to be able to be able to be, it's a privilege to be able to be upset about so many different little things Um, because we have to live in this black body, walk through the world in it, like all these other things. Like there's so many layers to what we have to do. And I would say on the, like, to turn this into, like, a positive or constructive thing, I would say, like, if you notice something, if you notice something that is, like, you feel like it's racist or racially biased, to say something and not be dependent on me to confirm whether or not it is or not, especially if I'm, like, not around, because that's, like, a, you know, personal pet peeve where it's, like, did this... Uh, this happened and I didn't say anything because I didn't know, you know, whatever. Um, but I also think to ask, because like we, um, Faith and I have a mutual friend that's Native American. And um, there was something that happened earlier in this year. Um, and I didn't, I, I didn't understand. Um, and so I just asked her, hey, I heard this. Yeah, that would be one of my encouragements. It's just, hey, just ask. Um, so I guess... Faith, what would you give as advice for people who are wanting to increase their diversity of their friendships? I would say you have to be really, really intentional and patient. And I say intentional and patient because um, you want to actually build authentic relationships with um, BIPOC. And so I think that you need to, um, if that means that like right now in your town, like you don't really have anybody that you, like many people of color where you live, then be intentional about learning like what what is going on in my community where are um places where i can build more community um how are there opportunities for me to build diversity within the people that if you have kids or nieces or nephews where they go and where they hang out and activities where it exposes to exposes them to more people i would say um but also, I think sometimes I have seen people get really excited, and it's like, oh my gosh, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna change some things like tomorrow, like it's gonna happen. And it's like, well, you can't just like go up to a random person and just be like, hey, we're gonna be friends now. Like that's just not gonna happen. So that means you have to be patient enough to take the time to actually cultivate genuine friendship to get to know somebody to interact with them a few times and to invite them to lunch or for y'all to get to know each other. And to really be patient and recognize the fact that a lot of, like, um, people are apprehensive right now about entering into friendships with white people. And I think that's just to be honest, you know what I'm saying? And so I think um, having the patience to not expect something of people where a lot of people are at a very vulnerable state. And so that'll take patience on your part to recognize that, hey, this is going to take time. And intentionality on my part to put myself in the position where I'm not in the majority to get to know some people who are different from me. And so I would say that if you've never put yourself in the position where you're not in the majority, you should definitely start there and um, find places, whether that's church spaces, whether that's like where you work out or 
you know, different sides of town, whatever that looks like, activities, you should definitely put yourself in the position where you're uncomfortable and start from that place rather than from a place of like, hey, I'm in my comfortable place and let me just invite somebody into that. Like, no, you get out of your comfort zone and go into um, a different space outside of where you've been instead of expecting somebody else to kind of like conform into um, the culture that you're familiar with. Yeah. Lindsay, what would you give as advice? Yeah, I would, to piggyback off of that, like, I think my time in Hawaii was crucial in learning the importance of being in spaces where I was not the majority, to unlearn so much of what I had culturally experienced as like, this is how it is and the norm and how, quote unquote, it maybe it should be. <laughs> and that helped to start to um, take apart some of my thoughts, places that I found my value in, my worth in, my understanding of the world. That was so helpful and so important to begin to engage in relationship, really deep relationships with people who had completely different experiences from me culturally. Um, I also think that where you are in your life, whether you are a single person, you are a married person, you are a married person with children, you work in a grocery store or a business building, or you have an Etsy shop, wherever you are, there are going to be people around you who do not look like you, who are people of color. Now, Sure, there are some spaces maybe you're completely have isolated yourself. But what I have learned a lot of times for me, it's like, uh, and maybe like friendships too that I've had with other like or white friends. It's like our friends, the, there have been people of color who've ad- had to adapt so much that people forget to see their color and they don't see their color anymore. And so I think that it's a responsibility on my part in the majority culture spaces to see the people of color there. So to open your eyes, begin to see the people in your communities, in your children's schools, on your Zoom calls as a coworker, like at the grocery store, like just in your neighborhood, open your eyes and just begin to see. And I even think a simple prayer is like, Lord, will you give me eyes to see color? Will you give me eyes to see people in how you have created them to look uniquely and beautifully different than me? And just begin with that simple uh, posture of like, I want to see. And when you begin to see and you see such beauty, when you, when your eyes are opened, you see so many more beautiful things. You are then at a a posture in a space that you're able to be someone who is that genuine person in 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 an interaction with other people because you already begin to understand and you, you recognize the value and the importance and just the overall, I mean, radiance of God's creative children in an array of colors and cultures. And because of that, you then enter into a space of friendship and, hey, I'd like to get to know you or let's have lunch or could I drop off, could our kids play together? Like all of that begins to happen more naturally than the opposite of that, which would be, 
I am like looking for a black person. I am going to be friends with a black person. <laughs> like that is not the way to happen, to make this happen, but to really begin in that posture. Like, Lord, will you give me eyes to see and to see people how you have created them? That opens you up to this whole, um, just a well of goodness. And uh, it's worth it. I would say it's 100% worth it. Oh, I was just going to say, I would agree with that. All the things that you said I thought were really great. Um, I would also say, um, to Faith's point about being patient, like, if you're getting a lot of no's right now, like, don't take it personally. And I think the idea of, like, one of the things I, like, always like to say is, like, if you are pursuing an interracial friendship just to, like, have, to say you have a Black friend or a Latino friend or a Latina friend or... Korean friend or whatever, um, that's the wrong motivation, right? Like, I think that you are, like, wanting the friendship from a genuine place of, like, God, help me to see the diversity and beauty of creation. Like, I want to learn more about different cultures. Um, but also not treating people as your, like, personal Wikipedia page, right? And so, like, doing some, I think especially if you're in a, a town or area that's, like, not super diverse, like, like, reading online or maybe joining online book clubs or, you know, like, really being intentional about utilizing Google because that's one of the great things about being in, in 2020 is like you're not just limited to what's going on in your community. Um, and then I think that also takes the pressure off, right? Like I feel like um, Lindsay on her own will watch when they see us or 13th and then we'll talk about like, you know, things will come up and we'll talk about it. But I don't feel like I ever have to like, I don't feel like I am the arbiter of all of her understanding of what it is to be a black American in this country, because that is burdensome. It's tiring. Um, and I think also too, like every time something happens, like with Breonna Taylor or Maude Arbery or George Floyd or Rashad Books, to every time something that, that something like that happens to be the black friend that gets the call that it's like, well, tell me how everything you're feeling about this. Like that is tiring and burdensome too. And so I understand like wanting, I understand that impulse, but I think again, with the internet, there's enough out there where like, um, you don't need to do that. And I think also too, like being respectful of your friends of color's boundaries to say like, you know, I've had instances with friends where I've had to say, you know what, I really can't talk to you about that right now. Like I'm really upset and I just need to work through my feelings on my own. And again, giving them that space and not taking it personally. And I think also too, I mean, the thing is like, you know, Lindsay and I talked about at the top of the show, like we both like Taylor Swift or like we both like going to the movies or we like brunch. So like maybe having like a book club or a brunch group where you just invite any like everybody. Brunch is, I think, universally <laughs> popular with millennials. So I'm just going to say if you invite people to brunch, you're, it's a good way to make friends. <laughs> but I would say doing something that's more natural and organic and authentic to you and who you are, um, rather than just like running around trying to like fill some sort of quota or checklist system. I feel like I want to say something about what y'all said earlier with regards to um, y'all know and have had white people in your life who come with the space of like, uh, I'm doing it like the best way or I'm better than those people. And so I would love to just to speak to that for a minute to anyone who is white and who's listening. Um, I understand the temptation, the real struggle it is to not view yourself as better than other white people. Uh, I think that 
being a person of faith, I recognize that this is a deeply spiritual battle that we're in when we talk about race relationships and reconciliation. And I have seen in my own life, uh, just like the just the enemy's tactic to basically take the white supremacy in me and just slightly twist it, it is still an exercise of me using privilege and white superiority that I view myself as better than anyone because of X, Y, and Z of myself. And it's easy, it's more, it comes more naturally to me to do that as a white person. And so you have to be proactive and acknowledging those places and setting up some boundaries. Y'all know that I did a Be The Bridge virtual book club and women from all over the country joined in, people that I don't know, and we did it together. And being, holding space for us to talk about as white women, what, what we're experiencing and how are we learning how to, to, to take apart the racisms in our heart and the biases in our heart, I was like, guys, I'm 40 this next year, and I will probably live another 40-ish years. This is not going to be done this summer. This is a, for the next 40-ish years of my life, actively working and being pursuant of this in my everyday interactions and in um, the advocacy and in the representation of what I believe to be like God's kingdom principles applied here in this world. And so that means I have to be willing to still acknowledge that I have supremacy in my heart, even if it starts to look different. And I think that is so important. Okay, so this is the last question I'm going to ask before we kind of land this plane for this episode, because this has been an amazing conversation. Um, But I think this is something we need to talk about. So Catherine, what do you think about people who think diverse friendships are enough to solve the racism problem in this country and in the church? And why do you think that um, diverse friendships are not enough to solve it? Yeah, I mean, I think as important as diverse friendships are, because you're maybe it's opening your eyes to experiences that you haven't heard or experienced yourself before, um, they're not enough. So like if you just say like I have a black friend, but then you don't engage anyway systemic racism, or if you say I have a friends of different ethnicities, um, or a friend who's you know an immigrant, but then you don't Im- in, don't engage in like immigration reform or immigration policy, I will say from my point of view, like it doesn't feel very loving, and I'm. I'm going to say like this makes people uncomfortable because then they they immediately go to a partisan place like Republican or Democrat. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking simply about what does it mean to love? What does it mean to do justice for people you claim to love? Um, And part of that is um, I think Lindsay maybe has talked about this of like I am in solidarity, right? Like with my friend, my Native American friend, I because I love her when she's telling me Native American women are kidnapped and murdered at a higher rate than any other female group in this country because I love her I have to engage with that like when that comes up in law enforcement conversations when we talk about criminal justice reform what is being done to address this issue um because I would say in the same way if I'm telling Lindsay you know like with policing that there's a problem there and all she ever does is listen but never engages in any way that kind of um is designed to to demolish that like 
a bad system that's not working, it doesn't feel very loving. It's just kind of like, and I think that's not what Jesus modeled for us, right? Like Jesus didn't model like, oh, you're lame. That's sad. I'm sad that you're lame. But you know, I'm the son of God and like I came to like offer you salvation. No, he entered in and he healed those people. And so I think, yeah, I would say friendships are a great first step, especially as you're building awareness and like learning. But I think if we're talking about racial reconciliation, if we're talking about racial justice, it's not enough to just have friends of different races. Like I think you really have to engage with the systems of oppression um, that are harming them and hurting their life. Um, Because again, I think, you know, we all want to get to this place where we don't say, have to say that like your experience in this country or in this community is different because you have a different skin color but that involves work it can't just you be listening to me tell you about that experience like you have to come with me to the city hall meetings where we talk about policing or we talk about in- inequity in the public funding system and so um i would say yeah friendships are not an end-all be-all i think they're great and i there's so much beauty and i've learned so many things from friends of different um ethnicities and racial backgrounds but i the like work of loving them and building those relationships doesn't end in just us like hanging out and going to the movies. Hey everybody, it's time for our favorite segment and yours, Go Off Sis. So if you're new here, this is a segment where we talk about something that we're loving, our bless, and then something that is also a mess. So Catherine, why don't you kick us off with yours? Yes. So um, my mess is Texas in this in August. Um, Texas in August evil it's demonic i rebuke these (laughs) um 100 plus degree days in the name of jesus christ our lord um because guys it's crazy it yesterday was 107 also last week it was so hot that my rearview mirror melted off my um front what is the front mirror of your car called i don't know melted off had to go get it fixed exactly exactly it's too dang hot and (laughs) climate change is real and we need to do something about this i would like to talk to the manager about (laughs) why it has been 107 107 uh, degrees 107 yesterday was 107 uh it was 106 the day before that yes it it, i can't it just it upsets me so much um thank god for air conditioning that is a blessing um and so my bless is you know what I'm going to stick with my little sports theme from last week. I'm going to give it to the NBA because somehow they have managed to have a thousand plus people in a bubble in Orlando. Not a single person has gotten the coronavirus. Now, last week I read that they have financed some new saliva coronavirus test. And I think, Adam Silver, why aren't you in charge of our (laughs) coronavirus response? Because you clearly know what's up. Um, Yeah, and the NBA playoffs start on Monday, so that's exciting. Um, I'm a big fan of sports and just what they bring into our lives. Um, And so I would just like to say, you know, shout out to the NBA for social justice messages and then just how, yeah, they're being good citizens and their response to the virus and trying to expand testing um, access for everybody. And so that is going to be my bless this week. Lindsay? My bless and what I love is Melanated Faith. 
you, Catherine, and you, Faith. I am so proud of you both for pursuing this podcast when it was just a thought and jumping in and doing it. I have loved being able to just enter into a space and listen to you beautiful Black women share your wisdom and your life and the things that you enjoy with the world. It has truly been something that I've loved and I am so excited and feel so honored to get to be a part of season two with you guys. I did not pay her to say that. She did not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My mess would... Well, let me give you a lighthearted mess. I had maybe a heavy hitting mess, but a lighthearted mess would be the Bachelorette franchise. Okay. You guys, (laughs) Bachelor Nation is on fire right now because the Bachelorette has abandoned, it seems, the season and they're having to find a new Bachelorette while they're in the middle of filming. So I cannot wait to watch all of it unfold on national television when the show starts. It is a true mess. I'm like going like going to Google right now because I never heard of any of this. <laughs> but, you know, I will say Bachelor Nation loves mess. And this is actually good mess. Like <laughs> It is literally going to be for the first time in the history of the franchise. The most dramatic season. (laughs) We have finally gotten it. (laughs) Okay, so I have a few um, things. First, I'm going to say my, the thing that I'm loving, my bless has been hanging out. I got to hang out with my nephew all weekend long, which was so much fun. I love him. He's like my little baby. I've been calling him my baby bestie since he was born, but now he's three and we can have conversations. So it's just really funny to listen to kids talk, but we had a lot of fun this past weekend and being an aunt is such a joy. I feel like people don't talk about it enough and it's just so special and it feels like it really fills a place in my heart for like nurturing and love in a way that I love to, um, do that. And so having just a little person to love on is just so special. And it works out because my brother and I are best friends and he knows how much I love it. And if he needs a break, he's so happy to send his kids to me. So um, that has been a lot of fun. Also, I saw that um, Washington football team just hired um, a new black president, um, which is a big deal because that has not happened in the NFL. Um, And so Jason Wright is, um, you know, taking over the organization's business division, including operations, finance, sales, and marketing. I love it. I'm here for it. I hear he's getting a lot of flack for that, though. No, I am a huge fan. I mean, the NFL is like 70% black. And I think I read somewhere he's like the first black NFL president in 100 years. And it's like, if your workforce is the majority minority, that's crazy that no one has had this position. So yeah, shout out to Jason. That's impressive. No, I thought so too. And so it'll be cool to see how that unfolds. And, um, you know, I think it's not surprising people are having negative reactions to it, but I am happy that it's happening and it should have happened a long time ago, but I'm rooting for him and I hope that he does well in his new position. And, um, okay. So my mess, gosh, there's so many things, but I'm just going to say the United States postal service, what's happening with that. I think 
it's really um, important for us to pay attention because there's so many people that I know that run small businesses that really rely on the USPS to be able to um, survive. Because, you know, when you ship privately FedEx, UPS, it is like at least it's double the price sometimes or $10 more expensive than what you could get it for at USPS. And so I think we need to think about how important the mail system is to all of us who get our mail and um, really stand up and advocate and do our part to talk to local officials, buy stamps, do our part to make sure um, within our power that, you know, the USPS still stands and that we have it for um, election season, which is what we really need. And um, especially during this pandemic and for many of the people who might not be able to go in person and vote. So that is my mess, but also encouragement to all of you to do your research and to go do your part. It's a simple Google, okay? And you're going to find all the information you need about this situation. Yes, that's good. Because I think um, people who don't rely on the post office diminish its importance. And it's so important. I mean, I think beyond elections. I mean, a lot of people get medication, people's social security checks. I mean, if you're someone who's financially fragile and, um, yeah, like you get disability or whatever, um, you get that through the Postal Service. And I think also, too, like in rural places, like FedEx and UPS don't deliver to like you know, because it's not cost effective because it and so, um, yeah, don't diminish what's happening with the post office because it doesn't affect you. It affects beyond the election, it affects millions and millions of our fellow citizens. And so we should care because loving our neighbor is a thing Christians should be <laughs> doing. Yes, it's simple. Just be kind, you know, be kind to people. Okay, so as we wrap this up, I just have one thing to say about the blistering heat you all are experiencing in Texas. So last summer, it was hot. I was in, oh, I kind of like split my time. So I was in South Carolina, but then I was also transitioning moving into Atlanta. And I thought, wow, it's like so hot and I'm really not even experiencing a winter. We didn't really get a winter here. But this summer... It's been totally the opposite of what y'all are experiencing. It's been raining and storming. Like almost every day there's been a thunderstorm. And so that means the weather has been like not that hot. Like it's not hot here. So I'm I'm like reading everybody's post about 100 degrees. This is awful, this and that. And I'm like, gosh, I haven't experienced that. And there's no humidity in Atlanta. So I'm actually kind of, you know, I'm happy for my situation. I miss the Texas food and all that happens in the summer in Texas, but I'm not missing y'all's heat right now. (laughs) Lord, I'm trying to pray against the spirit of covetousness and jealousy right now (laughs) because, yes, I, I, I love Texas. I love being from here. In August, I hate it here. And August, Texas in August is stupid. Like, I'll just say that. And like, I don't wish this on my worst enemy. Thank God for really great air conditioning. But yeah. Oh, I will say on the flip side of that, let me turn it into positive and not just be whining. Um, if you live in Texas and um, think about like homeless people and elderly people that don't have air conditioning, um, a lot of communities run fan drives. Um, so maybe drop off a fan for someone who is not as fortunate to have air conditioning when it is 100 plus degrees outside. So I'll leave it there. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. And that is our go off, sis. We love you all. And we're so grateful that you guys are rocking with us. If you're in the heat, Get a fan, get in the air conditioning, we hope, and wish you well. Bless.
Okay, so guys, thank you so much for joining us for this episode. Don't forget that we have launched a Patreon account and we would love for you all to join us and um, to support this work. This is not work that we are paid to do. This is stuff that we're just doing out of the kindness of our heart because we love it and believe in it. And we believe that black women's voices um, should be added into the conversations that we are having about faith and culture. So join us on Patreon. We have some really fun things that we are offering to those who join us and we would just appreciate your support. And we also want to just give a special shout out to our newest member of our Patreon family, Sarah. Thank you so much, Sarah, for sponsoring and helping us put on Melanated Faith. Okay, guys, have a great week.